0: Gloomy, mostly Euclidean confines of Castle Gormagon, upon the lofty, wind blasted heights of the Plateau of Lang, I am Confucius the Ecumenical Volkie, and this is Radio
1: Gormagon. <laughs>
0: All right, welcome to Radio Gormagons. Today we're going to be talking all things football and not that oblong football, the round one, like Oroy Chalk.
1: Oh, Oroy Chalk. Hi, it's Pewter. I'm here today with Gort, or Gorty, as he likes to be <laughs> called. And I still don't know what to call Volgai. Volgi. Volgi, is that what he goes by for real? That's how I pronounce it. I have no idea. We're gonna to have to ask him at some point.
0: Well, it's better in pronouncing that little O-E-V symbol.
1: If. Iv. It's like the it's like the French word for egg. If, if. if. Perfect if.
0: These are perfect ifs.
1: Perfect ifs. Your ifs they are so light and fluffy. <laughs> but anyway, we're here to talk about the, the round ball, the football round ball. And right now, on as I sit here, as Man, well, it's Leicester City home to Man with Man City. And Man City's wearing these dumbass dreamsicle colored uniforms. I don't know what the hell they're thinking, but they're up 1-0 three minutes into stoppage time. So, just so in they case probably
0: you, have it in hand.
1: They should. They've got a free kick right now. So, yeah, they should definitely. Closing it up 93. Well, there's three minutes of stoppage time, and they're at 93.20. So pretty much done. Dunsky. Dunsky. So let's talk EPL. EPL. So
0: years ago uh, – well, let me back up. Up until – Uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I didn't follow European soccer at all or American soccer for that matter. And my taste started changing. You know, uh, admittedly, I'm a Redskins fan and that's a little painful. So I started looking around at other sports. I've always been an NHL fan, always been a Caps fan. So I've been watching that. But, and I play soccer and I've coached soccer and I've refereed soccer. So I started watching it. And I kind of fell into following Chelsea for a long time. Uh, my son, three of three, was a big Chelsea fan. Uh, so I started watching that a lot. And when we took a trip to London, we actually went and toured Stamford Bridge, which was kind of cool. Uh, really entertaining tour. I would highly recommend, if you get a chance, to go and tour in the EPL Stadium. Uh, it's a really cool experience. Uh, the one thing they did not let us do is go on the pitch. It It's like verboten. And... This stupid Italian couple. I could see it coming. The The guy started backing up. He was posing and his girlfriend or whatever was taking his picture. And he was totally setting it up where he could back up accidentally onto the pitch. And he did. And our tour guide blew a gasket. Like basically said, I'm ready to toss you out. Like a third of the way through the tour, I'm going to toss you. Straight so, red card. Yeah. <laughs> so I started watching Chelsea and maybe about five years ago, six years ago... Um, I don't know, I, I wasn't really into it. And then I caught a couple games where they played Tottenham and mm-hmm. watching, at least here on the East Coast, uh, early morning EPL coverage, uh, you know, Premier League mornings and stuff. And I started seeing more and more Tottenham games, and I just liked the way they were playing. I liked their their approach on the field. So
1: it, it kind of fell into being my team. So I've been following them since. Did you start watching, did you start, like, picking Tottenham as your side around the time Gareth Bale was playing for him before he went I think to Real Madrid. That's probably right around the time. Yeah he was he was brilliant when he was playing for Tottenham. He was just fun to watch. He was. So I guess my EPL and I guess maybe you should define this a little better. I'm assuming people know EPL but it's the English Premier League soccer. It's the top flight of uh, soccer in England and it's kind of weird or I find it more interesting the way they do soccer over there. I guess they have the top league is the Premier League. The next one down is the Championship League. Then it's League 1, League 2, and then there's leagues below that. But really, the top, those League 2 and up and really are the professional leagues, the good professional leagues, and then it's really the championship and the Premier are the big ones. But the one of the things that I always liked that fascinated me about the Premier League once I started getting into it, which story I, I promised I will come back to, was the concept of relegation because, you know, as, as – Gorty was saying, the uh, you know, we grew up in Washington, both of us. We've known each other for a 1,000 years. Vol guy. And uh, we're all Redskins fans. And the Redskins were awesome when we were in high school. I mean, they were just fun to watch. I mean, when we were growing up, they weren't as fun, but they didn't suck like they do now. And then, you know, Jack Kent Cook died. And then Dan Snyder bought the team. And apparently he's cursed by God for all eternity that anything he touches turns to shit. So the, the Redskins have sucked since he bought the team in what? 2000 maybe a little earlier, but they've been horrible. So, I mean, I was like, screw that, you know, and I'm living up here in the frozen tundra of upstate and it's kind of tough to, well, you can't. <laughs> so by default for the NFC games, we get the giants, which sucks. Cause I hate the giants. because They're NFC East team. So, or oh, it's that or the bills. So the AFC channels, the bills. So I was like, I don't like the bills that much. No, I don't like the giants at all. So I was trying to figure out what to do. And I was sort of like with a man without it. And then Sean, who I work with, the Scotsman, he started coming around to our house. He went, that's a long story too. So he's from Scotland and he's from north of Edinburgh and he played on the Scotland under 17 side. So the national team for Scotland, their under 17 team, he was there. So he's like a great soccer player, like embarrassingly, you know, he could have probably played professional, but over there, you have to choose between school and soccer, and it's a relatively early age. So he ended up over here to play soccer, and he played on scholarship here, and then he came to work for us. So he came to work for us, and there was like, <laughs> it's it's a horrible problem for him because he's like ridiculously good looking, he's a talented athlete athlete, he he's like educated, he's a, you know he's well read and he's smart, and he's like this guy sitting there, he's got like no friends because he's new and there's nobody up here. So I said, Oh God, this guy's, you know, he's going to leave and he's young. You know? And I said, so just, I said, just come over to our house and have dinner. So he started coming around to our house and just became a tradition and he'll be over tomorrow night too, but, and it's been going on for since youngest was five. So going on 15 years now, probably. So that's when I got, he said, he came over and said, Oh, let's watch the premier league review show. And I said, like, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, we don't watch soccer in this house. This is a good American house. We don't watch soccer in this house because, no, you got to watch this. So, we started watching it and we got me hooked. And then, it, so when it came time for me to pick a side, uh, I didn't want to be the guy that picked Manchester United. I didn't want to be that American. I didn't want to be the American because who who's the best because I'm going to pick him. It'd be like the English coming over here, or the Scottish coming over here and say, I'm going to pick the Yankees or I'm going to pick who, you know, whoever, you know, the, the team with the dynasty. Like, that's not me. So, it was my tradition to pick. The first year, I picked Hull. Hall City because they had come up from the championship through relegation, the relegation process. They were promoted, taking the place of a team. So Hall was up for and then they got relegated. And then I picked Wolves or maybe it was vice versa, but one of the, it was either way. So Wolves were down and Hall was up. and So I usually had a team that there's only been a year or two where there hasn't been one of the two in the premiere because usually one was, then the other one got relegated or vice versa. So I don't think they've both been up at the same time. So Wolves became my team and they're actually doing really well. They came up from the championship last year for the second or third time since I've been following them. And they finished seventh last year, which is really good, out of 20 spots on the on – the, and this year I think they're sitting – but they're close. I mean, they could easily finish fifth, fourth maybe. I mean, they're not that far off. So we'll see. So that's that's my story of how I got in EPL soccer. But that relegation concept, coming back to it, I mean, Gorty, Gort do you want to talk a little bit about that relegation? Because I think we talked about it. I think we agree that it makes – the sport way more interesting than let's say the crappy or the shitty, shitty NBA. So
0: in a nutshell, right, the, and there's some, there's some other benefits to your ranking in the, uh, in the EPL, but uh, the bottom three teams every year get, as uh, Peter was referring to get relegated and this means they get sent down to the league below, which in this case is the championship league. And the top three from the championship league get promoted, uh, just like the Wolves have in the past and, and other teams have in the past. Um, so it's, it's always interesting to watch games where one of those teams down towards the bottom of the Premier League are playing, because particularly towards the end of the season – because they're really fighting to stay up in that premier tier league. Um, and it and it makes for an interesting concept. I don't know whether you could apply it to any professional, like major professional American sport, because I don't know if we have the number of teams to support it. You'd, but it would be an interesting concept, right, If if you could split the NFL or Major League Baseball into the top tier and then kind of the tier below and do relegation between them?
1: I think it would be easier with baseball and hockey because they're already sort of set up that way. Like yeah. hockey, you've got the NHL and then you've got the AHL and then you've got the IHL and baseball. You've got the majors, then you got, you know, triple A, double A, you know, single A that the, the other, the NFL would be tougher, but I think you could do it. You just have to change the rules around it. And I've said for years, they need to sever D one basketball and D one football, like the bowl coalition stuff from the universities, like license, the university names, keep the university names, play at the university stadiums, but just make them professional teams, give the kids scholarships. So like, you want to come back after you blow your knee out and you can't play anymore, we'll give you six years, you know, you get six years on full ride. You get to be a student. You're going to live with the students at that point screw it you know that's it you're going to be like a student and you can get expelled just like any other student (laughs) at that point but you know here when you come here you're going to be you're going to be a an athlete you're going to be a professional athlete not a student and you're going to be playing for the team that has the university's name and the university's going to get some tv revenue they're not going to get all the tv revenue anymore but i mean you could do it there are ways to do it but it would require an entire rethink but i think it would make the leagues, the upper leagues, much better. Because if you were just a shit team like the Redskins, who have just been a shit team for a thousand years, and you had to worry about getting relegated, you know, it would be a big deal. It would be shameful to get relegated. (laughs) And it is. I mean, especially for some teams like Aston Villa got relegated in the Premier League last year, two years ago. I guess they're back up now, two years ago. But I do think it makes for a much better product when you have that fear at the bottom. And it makes for... Like this year, Liverpool is running away with the Premier League. They're just i don't know I can look it up, but you know they're sitting on top of the Premier League by about a thousand points. It seems i mean they're they're going to be really really near impossible to catch unless they just implode or their team plane crashes or something. you know it's got to be something that catastrophic for them to lose the league this year. I mean, I guess it could happen, but not the plane crash them losing the league yeah the, uh, but no it's just it's it as Gort, Gorty was saying it's just the the Teams at the bottom, when they're playing each other and they're playing for their survival to stay up. I mean, you're looking at probably 50 million pounds in television revenue between the Premier League and dropping down. I mean, they say that the, the biggest prize in sports is the playoff game for promotion from the championship to the Premier League. It's the championship final! So for promotion from the championship, you have the top two teams at the end of the season automatically get promoted. And there are three spots to be promoted to in the Premier League because the bottom three teams in the Premier League go down to the championship automatically. And so what happens, you end up with, after the first two teams from the championship are promoted, there are, there's like two, two playoff games. So I guess it's the third place team plays the sixth place team, four plays five, and the winner of that match, those two matches play each other. And that second game, that's the big game because you're playing for the third spot for promotion. And if you win that game, it's like, you know, it's like 50, 100 million pounds just in television revenue from going up, the difference between the championship and the Premier League. So it's a big deal. Incredible! The other thing that happens, though, is when you get relegated, and this is the contracts, the way the contracts work in the professional soccer in Europe is way different than the way they work here. And the first time I heard it, and maybe Gort can talk to some of this, but my buddy Sean, the Scotsman, he said, so-and-so, and it happened to be a black player, got sold. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I said, "I said, what the hell is, you can't say that. You know, <laughs> I was like, dude. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, their contract got sold. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. He, it never occurred to him because they, they don't have this the history. First of all, it's just a, the way they say it. But it's also, they don't have the history with, you know, the civil war slavery and that whole thing that we have. And, you right. know, to hear the so-and-so, the black player got sold. I was like, Aah. but so, I don't know. See so, do you, you want to talk about the contracts at all? Or do you want to, I
0: can barely talk about it. It's one aspect of the EPL that I've never really figured out. Um You know, and complicated by it is it's very different than right. You were talking about an NFL franchise and, and possibly applying some sort of relegation scheme to a, to it the problem is that the teams in the EPL and the other leagues below it their ownership structure is very different and you have a major backer usually that you'll see advertising on their jerseys um, you know company uh, sometimes it's a country like um, and then other times it's foreign ownership in it I mean you get like Russian owners and Saudi owners all playing in this pool and it's it's almost like to a certain degree it's almost like fantasy football to a degree is is they're playing with salaries and contracts and um and terms and shifting players around and moving the pieces it's very complicated more so i think than anything the nfl deals with
1: the interesting the, the interesting thing that i always thought was that there's a, um you call them trade windows And I think the trade windows, run. I want to say, and I'm probably going to be wrong and somebody's going to write in and say, you're a moron and wrong, but I'm doing this off the top of my head. Okay. So it's, uh, I think July 1st through the end of August, usually is one of the big ones in the summer, the summer trade window. And there's one just for the month of January, pretty much. And so you got a preseason or early part of the season one, and then you've got like a, a mid season one. Um, and that's the only time you can really transfer players. And you can put players out on loan to another team where they carry their salary, or you can sell a player's contract. uh, And that's, and it's like Gorty was saying, it's kind of weird. There's some weird nuances to all this stuff that I I don't fully understand because I'm not steeped in it, but you know, you have to pay the team that has the contract currently just to even talk to the player, which is crazy to me. And then you can, you know, maybe buy the contract. The players have... the the better players seem to have more control over their fate here than, you know, unless you're a free agent, you know, in the NFL, let's say, but you know, if they want to trade you here, you're just trade it like there, they could, they can put the kibosh on it and say, no. So that's just one of the other little nuances of it, but I guess, you know, all in all, it's a different world, it's a different sport, but I, I tend to like it more because from a gameplay perspective, because it just goes. You know, it's not like the NFL. Yeah, it, the thing that I've
0: always found appealing about soccer was the pace of the game, and and a lot of people will complain about, oh, it's it can end in a draw or like a zero-zero draw or a very low scoring. But the thing is, there's always action on the field. The essentially the ball never stops, um, which again is why I think hockey is, is really attractive, and and lacrosse, for that matter, um, I find really appealing because it's always action. You know, you can go and you can research. I'm not going to cite all the numbers, but you can add up, you know, active times within different sports. You know, baseball and football are way down there compared to the length of the game time, whereas if you look at soccer, hockey, lacrosse, it's it's a high percentage of the total game time is active. Participation, for lack of a better term,
1: gameplay. I mean, it's somebody put it very well, and I it was one of I think it might have been Sean's father when he was visiting. But uh, he said, "American football is just a series of set plays." He said, "That's all it is. Like, there's nothing in between the set plays, like there is in soccer. There's no passing forward. There's no even rugby doesn't stop, you right. know, which is where American football is descended from." But you know, I just I do like that that it doesn't stop.
0: Right, and it's, you know, to his point, while the ball is actively moving on one side of the field, there's a whole dynamic on the rest of the field of the positions of players. Um, You learn this, particularly as a coach, you try to set up triangles. Peter's doing little triangles, symbols.
1: Triangle, man. You
0: set up these triangles, and you can look at any professional or any good soccer team, and if you can identify a triangle, whether it's, pointing forward or pointing in reverse and you start seeing these plays and you'll see, uh, probably baffling to a lot of people, you'll see them move the ball in kind of a semicircle arc back and forth and it will go up and down through this triangle. You can kind of imagine um, the triangle pointy teeth that you'd carve into a pumpkin Uh, and the ball will go kind of up and back and they're sitting there probing the other team to see where they can get an advantage where the other team on defense might make a mistake and overcommit um, or get lulled to some degree into doing something stupid.
1: Yeah, and it's it's just, a, you see the same thing in hockey. It just happens so much faster in hockey and so much tighter a space that you don't really see it. But everything in hockey pretty much is a triangle, too as well, when you're playing from the point down below the goal line back out. So it's all sort of your triangle spacing. And if you watch the defensemen, you have two defensemen in, in the, in hockey, they're basically making a triangle with one of the forwards, whichever side of the ice, the puck is on, you know, it's just kind of, but it's the same thing in soccer, It, but there are more players. You got 11 and it moves a bit slower, but when you get to the EPL level, it really does not move any slower. Well, it does move slower, but it doesn't move that much slower that it's annoying it's not like watching a kid's soccer game where it's like the little little pile the little hive of kids running around the ball i mean it's just it's a it's a fun sport to watch and once it takes a while to watch it you have to be patient and it takes maybe half a year half a season to sort of
0: start seeing right uh i always played defense growing up in lacrosse in soccer in intramural football always play defense and and i do think that there's people that have defensive minds and offensive minds so i kind of snicker when peter said earlier that his, his friend is a is this talented striker i'm like strikers are pansies like <laughs>
1: you, you want think- to talk to a real player you talk to a defender well, that's usually because defenders are stomping on the strikers <laughs> but this the strikers you're right i mean the strikers have a different mindset i mean they're always the point of the triangle like when you're getting into the offensive side of the pitch like really, into, like inside the 18-yard box, you know that's or on the break. I mean, your striker when you get the ball back should be moving dead up the center of the field, or maybe slightly out to one of the other sides, right at the defense. And defenders or the you know the midfielders or the you know center backs or the half backs should be looking to pass the ball forward, you know, at quickly. And sometimes you'll see a lot of that over top play. And different nations play it different ways. England plays some of that. Um, but you know, Mexico, for example, you ever watch a Mexican soccer match, craziness, it's brilliant. It's just like, it's, it's, it's like Mexican. It's like every national team, they say plays like the nation and it's true. I mean, the English team's a bit more stained, the Scottish team is rough and tumble, the Italians want to play beautiful soccer and so are the French and the Germans are just like methodical little automatons and the Russians are batshit crazy and so are the Turks. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch, especially the national side, too. But that's, that's why I actually really enjoy the game. You know, and if you can compare the game to something that's, you know, uniquely American, like that crap-ass sport baseball. Yeah, it's just a much better game all around. You know, and I know Czar, and I know probably Mandy, and I don't think Volguy would deny it.
0: So We're going to take a break here and we'll come right back with a few other topics around soccer and baseball.
2: This is the best They're from the Three stack Sparkling Crew Cleanup. Wonder if you have trouble keeping up with all your cleaning needs. Do people in your castle just leave the gruesome, dismembered parts of potential intruders just lying around? Are the remnants of science experiments strewn about without care, did Pluto and Zaha decorate the bathroom after a long night at the Leaping Peacock? Well, we can clean all of that and more. We're dear Yeti, polish your medical assistant droid. Heck, whatever that slime is trailing behind Gort when he returns from 2379, gone! So dim the lights and let us get to work. All right,
1: we're back baseball. Just sucks, it sucks ass. I mean, I know people love it and I understand why they love it, but the people that love it tend to be like Gorty, but not really like Gorty. They tend to be accountants. They tend to be more number crunchers. You know, it's not science people necessarily or computer people, but it tends to be people who are fascinated by numbers and statistics. And it's boring as shit. And the only reason baseball is interesting right now is because the Astros are cheating fuckers. Warning Peter and incoming. That's the only reason it's interesting. And I cannot believe, I mean, what other sport could you literally cheat your way to two World Series titles? And Boston hasn't been caught yet. And they're going to get caught because everybody in New England's a fucking cheater. <laughs> Including the Patriots and Bill, Captain Hoodie, and like the 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 man who Dorian Gray, Tom Brady, it's like crazy ass stuff. It's like you're all cheaters, but like baseball more. I mean, and I'm going, this isn't like regular run of the mill cheating. Like you have people who dive in hockey and soccer, and that's crap, and it's not good for the game. And everybody knows it. You know, you have players who go down too easily in soccer. When you're literally using cameras to steal signs and cheat, and then, you know, so there, there's arguments that maybe some of the players had buzzers on them. I'm like, your game's a joke. It's just a friggin' joke. I mean, you've ruined it for everybody. If I'm an Astro, I wouldn't go on the field this year, cause you're going to get beamed every time you're up at the plate because you cheated and the Yankees should feel hard done by, even though I hate the Yankees. You know, and everybody who lost to these teams, and, you know, including the Bo Sox, but even though they haven't been caught yet, but pretty sure they're going to get caught. But that's one of the reasons, you know. Baseball's had more of those type scandals, I think, than any other sport. Admittedly, Manchester City's in trouble right now. But that's a financial issue, which is still cheating, but it it's not... It affects the game, but it's not cheating by the players during the game. You know, it's not that. They just... They used. They got their backer spent too much money over the cap and hit it. So they, they cheated and they got players they probably wouldn't have gotten. But they, And it did affect games, I guess. But it's not the same as stealing signs during the game. They still had to go out on the pitch and play against the other side and win. You know, maybe they were better because of that. But it wasn't the level of cheating, I think, that the Astros engaged in.
0: Yeah, I think, and I was going to bring this up, but but I think uh, structurally, you get you get uh, games like soccer are near impossible to cheat at in the execution of the sport, right? You're out there on the field. You're in front of all these people. There's really nothing. I mean, soccer is a pretty basic sport when it comes to the rules. Um, people always get wrapped around the axle, around the offsides rule. I'm still better you. about that. <laughs> it is... It is uh yeah, at the lower levels and by amateurs and look, I've when I've refereed and when I've coached, I've had to tell parents no, that's not offsides, or yes, that is offsides and here's why. But it's it's when the ball is played is you evaluate the pitch and where people are right then and there. And yes, there is a there is a strategy, again, speaking as a defender, called called keeping a high line. Mm-hmm. And you keep your defenders up and you step up and you hope to time it so that you catch them off sides. It's completely it's
1: counterintuitive. T- it's counterintuitive to Americans looking at the sport because you're you're actually letting the player behind you. Right.
0: And and it feels a little dirty because you're taking advantage of a it's almost like a loophole in the rule, right? That that I'm taking advantage of this I'm gonna cause this player to, to commit a foul on a judgment call by the referee because they got to look at the entirety of the field and hopefully the referees in the right position to make the call, uh, to make that evaluation. But it, you know, you have the offsides rule and, and then basically it, it's, you know, you evaluate contact and that's it. It's you pass the ball, you shoot the ball,
1: like across the line, right? Did it cross the
0: line? Right, I mean, it cross it, the line? And yeah, oh, by the way, it's the whole ball has yes. to cross the line to go out of bounds.
1: Yeah, which is weird. And if that, that didn't occur to me, I learned that like later at like on corner kicks, so the, yep. the entire ball has to stay inbounds the entire time. You can't play the ball from the corner, kick little mini circle there in the corner around behind the goal to the other side. You can't ever cross, I was, which is not really intuitive. It's like it, in basketball, if you could spin the ball in such a way, you could throw the ball 50 yards out of bounds and have it come back in as long as the player touches the ball first and, you know, the ball never touches the ground out of bounds. That's a, that's a legit play, but not in soccer, which is kind of right. weird. That's why they have linesmen in soccer. Right.
0: And it's, and it's even weirder uh, in various aspects, depending on your perspective, you know, coach, soccer, referee, um, you can have a player who is running out of bounds mm-hmm. playing the ball Correct. That is, on the line or even in bounds, but the player itself himself or herself is out of bounds,
1: yeah Garrett and that
0: yeah, and that's still a legal play
1: yeah it's, it's crazy, and the one thing that got me on the offside rule that happened to the wolves last week, maybe, and it got caught on VAR and it drove me nuts because they were playing Liverpool and they lost like one nil to Liverpool, and it's, they scored a goal on this play, oh my God. But it was like three passes before the goal. Does that make sense? They want, they rolled it back that far, the VAR. So it was an inbound play. So Wolves played the ball in. The player who got the ball received the ball on the inbound pass.
0: And there's no offsides on throw-ins?
1: He was moving away from the goal. But, but it, there's still ball.
0: no offsides by definition?
1: I think there is in the Premier League. No. I don't know. So he did get called. So he might not have been the first guy that touched the ball then. That could be. Might have been the second. That could be. So that's what happened. But he was moving directly away from the goal. Like, and it was close. I mean, it was like, they had to like, it was like, oh, his armpit's off. I was like, really people? And he was running away from the goal. And it was like two passes before the goal. It wasn't like, you know, there's a lot of controversy right now about VAR. I think VAR is a good thing for goals. I think it's a good thing for penalties because those are game-changing plays, and I think it's a good thing for the pass in before in you know, the pass before the player scores a goal. Does yep. that make sense? So you should only roll it back one pass. I think if you get behind beyond that, you, you could roll the whole friggin' game back. It's just ridiculous. Where does the historic scoring play start? So yep. that's sort of my beef about VAR. But that's an which is what video assistant referee is that what it is? Yeah. So it's instant replay, basically, for soccer, and they just really instituted it this year in the Premier League and Mm -hmm. then, I think, internationally last year. Correct. I think so. Um,
0: I'll touch on the VAR in a second, but to go back to finish off the offsides rule, the the other aspect of it, uh, it can get really complicated on uh, a shot or when you're watching, uh, again, back to the strikers – you can have an offside striker, and as long as they don't play the ball, or make the goalie react to them, yeah, the play continues,
1: or so interferes could, with the play at all. Correct. Like, if he draws a defender out to him, then it's they're gonna and there's a goal because of that because it opens a space. They're gonna call the offside.
0: Correct, and you'll see a well refereed match. You should see. Uh, the linesman put his flag up for an offsides because the player is in an offsides position, right? And the the linesman should always be running parallel to the last defender. Mm -hmm. So he marks that line. So he's looking directly across the field at what should be the offsides line. And he should signal when there's a player offsides. But the referee on the field should evaluate whether A, that player affected the play, or B, touched the ball, Mm-hmm. In an offsides position, um,
1: it's amazing. You never to me. do
0: the ref just waves off the linesman,
1: but and it, a
0: lot of people will sit there and scream and go, "He's offsides! He's offsides!" Well, it's not the player that's affecting the ball.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, it didn't affect the play, and that's, that's a good way to do it. They used to just call it, and they switched the role yeah. a while ago. But it's but they used to call it every time you were offside, which really slowed the game down. But I, I'm amazed at the skill of those referees and how fit they are. Because a lot of those guys are like our age; they're like fifty, and they are fit. And they go to an academy like every summer. They get evaluated throughout the year for the you know they get the calls right more often. I mean, like way more often than not. And they're just the linesmen. too. it's amazing. So,
0: yeah, they say on average uh, in a uh, professional soccer game. Uh, players and or referees are running on average this is this is not a peak at average somewhere between seven and nine miles
1: during the course of a game and that includes the defenders who don't move nearly as much as the strikers and the the, you know the midfielders
0: correct correct
1: and the goalies don't move at all
0: right well i don't know if that if they take them into account, that would be interesting if it's just the fielders. I'd, probably. I would assume yeah. so.
1: Cause I mean, you, you don't expect the goalie to be running up the pitch except maybe the last play of the game or something, right. you know, to be an extra head for an in, yeah. for a corner or something. But
0: I agree with you on the, on the VAR uh, application. Uh, I think it's really key for the goals, uh, particularly evaluating onside, offside for a score. Yeah.
1: But you can't and, roll and you it want, back.
0: Right. You want to stop right there, I, w- I would say. Um, penalties, yeah, yeah, like handball in the box, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I and mean, that's why you need it. There, It gets crowded in there. Uh, oh, by the way, the box is an 18-yard box out from the goal and six-yard out to the box. sides. Well, there's a six, yeah, six-yard box in the...
1: Yeah, 18-yard box. But yeah. yeah,
0: so, but it gets really crowded in there, and that's generally, I mean... Once the ball is inside that eight, the 18, that's when you start seeing action and shots, and that's when it matters, and balls can ping-pong around in there like crazy, and you want to evaluate it. You want to get it right.
1: Yeah, and I, I – yes, and I think, I think that the VAR will get better and faster after this year. I think they're going to evaluate it, and I think they probably will. I would hope they would come to some sort of, hey, look, we don't care if somebody's obviously offside – Three passes before, you know, like thirty seconds before the goal was scored. We're not rolling it back that far, guys. You know, or on right. the inbound, like the one where the wolves sort of got, I think, ripped off. It was offside, but it's kind of like didn't affect. It wasn't. It wasn't the precipitating pass that caused it. It wasn't a consequential pass. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things.
0: Right. But, but until that player reestablishes himself as on sides, he can't touch the ball. Correct. And that's probably what happened. Not knowing the play.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, it'd be interesting. You'd go back and watch, and we could talk about it some other time, but it's, you should go back and see that. But yeah. the to tie back to baseball, I mean, the, baseball stops all the freaking time. You know, there are unlimited changes. Like you can change your pitcher as many times as you want, as many players as you have on your roster. You're only limited by your roster. Soccer, you get three. For the whole game, doesn't matter. If you have three guys crippled, that's it. Can't put anybody else in. Your goalie gets a red card. Doesn't matter. Somebody on the pitch has to go play. If you've used your three substitutions, somebody on the pitch has to go take the goalie's place. Yeah, that's it. You know, there's no. It's it's a less forgiving game, and so it there is some strategy to substitutions, obviously, in soccer because you got fewer of them. But there's no timeouts. You know, there's there's none of that crap. I mean, no. it's just. But baseball is kind of like, oh uh, well, you know, I don't think my pitcher's doing well, so. I'm, I think I'll go talk to him for a little bit, you know, they've had baseballs cleaned some of that up. They have, they've, they're only allowed fewer visits now. I don't even care, but it's just, you know, you get pitching changes. Like you get a million pitching changes and they just changed the rule. I think that for this coming year, that if you bring in a pitcher, the pitcher has to face three batters, which is fine. But I mean, I would just say for, for, for who cares, there's 162 damn games. In the baseball season you cannot tell me you need 162 games to determine who the best damn team in the league is it's just an excuse to get more television revenue and i don't even know who's watching this shit on television because it's crap on television the playoffs are fine i guess on television i don't mind watching them because the guys actually play you know they're actually playing for something except for the astros because they're just cheating fucks but you know so it's it's just 162 games you lose to who cares? It's not the end of the world. You know, it's like, it's, it's, what do you, when do they start? They're, they're reported to camp now, right? It's February. You know, so they start playing in late March, early April.
0: Uh, pre pre-season, preseason games, I think are this weekend.
1: Yeah. But I mean, for when, when's the season start? I mean, you got to fit 162 games in. Yeah. End of March. It's snowing in frigging Minneapolis, right? They have an open stadium. Whoever the hell built an open stadium in – and they just built that stadium within the last decade. It's like, what the hell are you thinking? You live in Minnesota. It's going to snow. It's like, come on. But
0: Mrs. Mrs. Gort went to opening day for the Cubbies uh, last year, and it was snowed out.
1: <laughs> well, we have a AAA team here in Rochester, the Red Wings. And they're, you know, they used to be good. They sort of, you know, AAA. So they're up and down. They're the Twins Farm Club. And every friggin' year, it's like, I was like, why do you start playing? I think their opening day is like March something. I went to the opening day for their state, their new stadium, which was 25, 30 years ago now. And it snowed. And I'm going, why am I sitting in this stands? I was like, I I would tolerate this for hockey because hockey is a winter sport. But I'm sitting there in the stand bundled up, and it's just like freezing my ass off. My beer literally froze in the can. It was that cold. I was like, what the hell is going on in this godforsaken?" And then I ended up marrying Mrs. P and living here. So that's probably one of the precipitating reasons I hate baseball. And then the Boys Orioles are- sucked. So I hate yep. the Orioles. Boys of summer. Boys of summer. <laughs> Except <laughs> for the snow. Except and for the it- snow. And then they play into they play to November now, don't they? Practically, and I'm like, what? So 162 games. The playoffs are like 3,000 games too long. You know, they bring in everybody now. It's, it's like, just play five game series. I mean, seven games for the World Series. I get, but you know, it's kind of like, do you really need that many games to figure out who the best team is? No, no, they, you do not. They
0: should do it like the Champions League. So, aside thing from the EPL, mm-hmm. right? They look at European teams that. U uh, E F A or UA UEFA, yeah. uh, UEFA. UEFA. Yeah. Uh which I don't know. Union United. of European
1: Football Association or something or Unite yeah. something like that. It's but it's probably French, so it's probably something <laughs> right. Union de uh, Federation de Football Européen.
0: Of course then the it would be backwards acronyms because they put all their modifiers Exactly.
1: It's NATO is actually OTAN in French. It's what is the organization trick to use fuck it right atlantic du nord or something i think who knows stupid right. french people
0: <laughs> but but imagine though so for uh, the uefa champions league is going on right now mm-hmm. um tottenham's in it they got uh, they lost one nothing in the first leg and this is how they do their playoffs right is you have a two leg tournament mm-hmm. so you play the same team twice uh home and away, and you total up the score, so leg one tottenham is down zero one, but they could come and score and win like two nothing uh later this year for the second leg, and they would win because the aggregate would be two one
1: yeah, and, and they if, would move on and if it were tied, two two. Like let's say each team scored. Like let's say each team scored one, but away from home, so, so that would be a dead tie. But if one, if like the first game went, I don't know, I'm trying to figure this out. But if the team scored, both teams scored at home, you'd have to go to like a shootout, I guess. They play extra time and all that. Stuff. But the tiebreaker is if it's like I guess if you've scored an away goal, you, that's the tiebreaker. You that gets weighted, but only for purposes of the tiebreaker, which is kind of cool too.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you could do like. A, so they should can, do it for baseball. Yeah,
0: home and away. Just do home aggregate score. Aggregate score.
1: But my, but my pitcher, my pitcher, my poor pitcher, I need a pitching change. Can I go to the mound and change my pitcher? It's like, God damn it, you haven't faced anybody. It's like, I, I, and it's like, again, back to the pitching changes. You have 162 games. You do not need to cha- have five pitchers pitch one game. If you're getting shellacked, put in the second baseman to pitch. Who the hell cares? It's like one out of 162 games. It's like, you know, I get it. You are getting guys getting shellacked, you know, but three pitchers until, let's say, the two weeks before the end of the season, and then you get five pitching changes, and then you get into the playoffs and you can have as many pitching changes as you want. But they all have to face three batters. So it's kind of like, that's sort of my thought on that. And baseball's not timed. You know, baseball is a friggin' commitment. I mean, it's like, oh, do I want to kill an afternoon? I mean, it's one thing to go to the stadium. The stadium is great. I mean, if you want to, baseball is a wonderful stadium sport. I will not knock it as a stadium sport. You can go sit there. It's damn slow. It's like being at a funeral. You can have beer. you They got a nice little buffet for you. People bring shit to the seats for you. You know, it's great. It's fine. You're, if it's nice weather, it's great. If it's 150 degrees, it's not so mm-hmm. fun. But, it's it's, you know, that's fine because it's sort of the ambiance and it's really cool. And some of those parks are beautiful jewels. There's no doubt about it. And I can understand why it was a great sport before television. And it was a great – it's still an okay radio sport because you don't really need to pay attention to what's going on. You know, and – but on TV, it's just horrible. And then you start throwing in TV timeouts and between it, you know, all that crap. And it just – so it's like you're looking at – what the, the average game was up to around four hours in the majors. And I'm going, you get to the triple A's and they're playing them in like two, two and a half. I'm like, that's doable. That's a, that's a soccer game. It's a two, two hour, 15 minute, two and a half hour commitment. And that's it. You know, you're out, you know, got two and a half hours. Great. You know, baseball, you're like, eh, I might get through three innings. Who the hell knows? So that's, I just don't like the open-endedness of it. I don't like the snootiness of it in a way it's almost like it's like polo for the working man it's like oh i love baseball and this is all my team and look and you see all my statistics and oh no and it's it, i just it just never grew on me and i don't begrudge people who like it i just like to make fun of people who do it's just not it's not my sport i don't particularly find it all that american either world class <laughs> And do my vocal warmups.